Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Welcome everyone. Good morning, good afternoon and good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Good to be back. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here, but you're not going to believe the shit that I'm dealing with. Trust me. (laughs) I've got screens going off in all different directions. This is what happens when you are out of practice. There we are. Thank you so much for joining. We're back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Holy cow. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you once again for this edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Um, just to fill you in what's going on here behind the scenes. Um, there, <laughs> uh, there was some kind of fuck up while I was trying to load Skype, you see. And then I lost all of my OBS sources. This is like this, this is why there was that false start a couple of minutes ago. So now I'm frantically trying to set up my screens so I can get my articles up and so I can have everything ready to go for you. So if you'll indulge me for just, I think, about 90 seconds or so, then I'll be able to focus. It's a very boomer move, I know. But hey, it wouldn't be the Daily Boogie without these kinds of random fuck-ups, really, let's be honest. So thank you so much for joining us. Absolute pleasure to be back. Um, Thank you for being patient. Thank you for waiting for me. I know a couple of weeks is a long time. It's a long time to be without. And just on a serious note, lay off the drugs boogie. Well, is that where you want to start with this? Is that where we want to kick this off? Um, I wish I could lay off the drugs, but you can probably hear it a little bit in my voice. I think, um, I think, see, I'll, I'll tell you what I was doing. So I took a cruise to the South Pacific and yeah i'm wearing the hawaiian shirt (laughs) well i didn't want my comrade james to be the only uh guy who flaunts his homosexual tendencies by wearing gay uh hawaiian shirts so i thought um i'll join him because i actually want to get him on the show today because we couldn't do trust and verify last night and because i have been completely 100 percent unplugged from politics for the last two weeks like 100 percent um, I made an, a conscious effort not to get involved in politics over the last couple of weeks. 
See, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm doing two things at once. I used to be able to do this shit, but I think since as I'm aging, since like I'm now in my mid 30s, now I need to just focus on one thing at a time. And because I'm full of pseudoephedrine and painkillers and a little bit of alcohol, you'll be pleased to know. If, let me just mm. see. I'm all over the place. Let me just let me just set this screen up, and then I'll be able to at least run in somewhat of a linear fashion from one thought to the next. Because right now it's it's like it's like a weak version of Alex Jones at the moment, jumping from topic to topic. So let me get this screen going for my YouTube clips. Here we go. Okay. And now I have to crop. Now I have to crop it out. Okay. Oh, mate, this is... I remember when I was younger and um, I was always around computers from a very young age. I was very lucky like that. Um, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Uh, at various stages... I remember when I was a kid being lifted into a dumpster behind a bakery to get bread because we didn't have enough money. Um, but I did have access to computers from a pretty young age, which is very rare for people. The first computer that we had was an Amstrad and it ran on cassette tapes. And, you know, my, you know, for want of a better word, my father at the time, uh, he purchased this at a garage sale up the road for about $2, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I cut my teeth in computing was on a on an old Amstrad that used to run on cassette tapes. Uh, after that, we had um, an old PC that used to just run DOS. There was no Windows at that point. There was Windows, but we always got stuff a generation later. So I had to learn all the DOS language. And then once we had access to the internet, I had to learn HTML, websites like AngelFire and stuff on a VGA screen, which was 16 colors only um, i'm only mid-30s mind you so i was always like you know pretty hooked in with computers but then i think at like the age of 20 i really stopped giving a fuck about computers completely and i was more interested in playing guitar getting high drinking with my friends and getting into trouble and then i tried to reintroduce myself to computers about the age of 30 and i was like i don't understand anything anymore what the what the hell is this button do so i just went from like in the know to boomer in the space of 10 years and i remember when i was younger like trying to tell old people how to program the vcr to record to tape our favorite we've got to tape our favorite show on a sunday and i was like ah oh, don't be silly it's so easy you just press this button and that button and that button and now I find myself at the ripe old age of, I think I'm 36. I think, yeah, I'm 36. Um, at the ripe old age of 36, and I now have 12-year-old kids telling me how to work the computer. <laughs> I was like, oh, I, I thought this was supposed to come to me when I'm 50, not when I'm 30. Holy shit. Imagine what the 12-year-old kid, when he becomes 35, what the 12-year-old kids will be telling him. No, no, no. If you want to have sex with the robot, you have to plug it into the USB port here and you have to stick your cord into its bum. And, oh, okay. I had no idea. I had no idea. Uh, fit to stretch to screen. Stretch to screen, you motherfucker. Stretch to screen. Okay, I think we're ready to go now. I, I, I think we're good. 
late now may I start again. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you on this edition of the Daily Boogie. If you'd like to become a subscriber, of, uh, supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me what an out of touch boomer I am, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. And just to let you know, now I'm using two. If anybody who's got multiple monitors set up will know what I'm dealing with now. So now the screens that I usually use to read articles and watch YouTube are like right over here on the other side of the room now instead of right in front of me. So there's going to be a lot of this action when I'm reading. But you'll be pleased to know that we are kicking on. Yes. Mm. Thank you so much uh, to the people who got in touch and said that they missed the show. I'm I'm still flabbergasted that there's, you know, 100 or 150 or so people who actually enjoy this, listening to this strange guy who sits in the shadow uh, rambling and, you know, talking about media and stuff like that. As you can tell, I am a little stuffy. So what I was saying, so I was on this cruise to the South Pacific and I drank my body weight in alcohol daily, which I don't really do anymore. Um, going against, you know, popular opinion, everybody thinks that I drink all the time. I don't really drink all the time. I, I, I drink all the time, but I don't get drunk very often. How about that? Can you give me that? So on this cruise, I mean, the bars are opening at seven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so I'm up at 5.30 in the morning because I've noticed too, I prefer the day drunk crowd over the nighttime drunk crowd. You know what I mean? The nighttime drunk crowd are very messy. They want to touch you. They want to hug you. Uh, They want to have long, boring, pointless conversations about nothing. Whereas the daytime drunk crowd is much more fun and it's much more snappy. I mean, if you're getting drunk at nine o'clock in the morning, you're going to have a better time than somebody who's getting drunk at one o'clock in the morning. Do you know what I mean? Nothing good really happens after 1 a.m. So I was getting day drunk, going to bed at, you know, I was toasty by 10 a.m. pre-lunch. And there's nothing like getting drunk in the morning and then sitting down for like a nice steak or something and red wine. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is the shit. This is the life. Brunch drunk. Exactly. Whereas the nighttime drunk people, they sleep all through the day and get up at like three o'clock in the afternoon and they're ready to go. And we're like, mate, mate, where have you been? We were having cocktails at breakfast. We've sat down. We've had a nice lunch. Now we're now we're slowing down for the night. You missed out on all the fun. And there's nothing like getting drunk in the hot sun next to the pool. You know, the kids who get drunk at night. It's uh, I'm happy to leave that to the twenty year olds now. I'm like, okay, you can have the nighttime. But anyway, so when we got back, I felt really drained and I felt kind of out of it. And now over the last few days, I'm starting to develop flu-like symptoms. So I'm taking a cocktail of painkillers and uh, Sudafed, which is packed full of pseudoephedrine, uh, which you have to actually show ID to get over the counter here in Australia, believe it or not. Like I was going to make some kind of narcotic out of it. Uh, Pseudoephedrine, for those who aren't aware, is the premium ingredient in many a nighttime style narcotic. Uh, more commonly known for making people sweaty, making them talk to strangers and making them have back alley sex with strange girls who wave glow sticks and wear little kitten ears. And so I haven't taken the stuff for 20 years because I vowed I'll never do that again. Still got the itch. 
It's always with you. Be careful, kids. But I did take it uh, for the first time in 20 years yesterday, and I'm feeling fucking great. <laughs> I feel like a world beater over here. Thank you so much for joining us. Mm. Very contagious. Contagious as all hell. There may be random sniffing in today's show, just to warn you, just to let you know. There may be a cough or two. There may be sniffing. Uh, I do want to do a couple of things before I get to uh, James here, who's going to fill me in on what happened over the last couple of weeks. And if you if you want to let me know what happened over the last couple of weeks, because I'm going to be brutally honest with you here. Uh, I feel really shitty. So I've done a minimal amount of prep for today's show. I do have videos and I do have articles and I do have some fun stuff to go to, but I haven't, I literally, you know, I never normally pre-watch stuff. And that means that I'll watch like the first 30 seconds of a video and then I go, okay, that's good or not, not doing it. And I might read the first paragraph of an article for this show normally and decide like whether I'm going to read it or not. Because I want to, you know, have a genuine reaction with you. I don't want to pre-read it and I don't take notes. I'm not that kind of a guy. I just want to do it on the fly. So I've done even less than that. And today I'm going off headlines and video titles. <laughs> so I've just brought up a whole bunch because I wasn't thinking straight. I'm like, yeah, that'll do. And the screens aren't working. So it should be fun. Should be fun. But I want to uh, do a couple of things before we get rocking and rolling here. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we get to that, um, the new avatar that I have, I really like it. I'm, I was looking for a new avatar because uh, you'll remember the little, the little jazz guy that I had before and I've had it for about two and a half, three years. Um, that's, I really like that too, but I purchased, I purchased a license to use that. So it's a, it's a, it's a graphic that's out there. So anybody can buy the rights to it and use it. And I really wanted something that was personal, so like a one of a kind. And so I'll just put, pop him up on the screen again. There you go. That's me. I think he captured my likeness perfectly. So I got in touch with a very talented young artist, a guy named Mr. Ballysong, who you can find on Twitter. Based Polish guy. I got in touch with Mr. Ballysong because I really like his artwork and I really like what he does. And I asked him, and I'm a, I'm a shit to work with when it comes to visual art. Like I'm not very good at describing what I want. So based on, you know, a very, very subpar description of what I was looking for, basically like a cartoon version of this and, you know, the kind of lighting effect I want and stuff. He was like, no, it's okay. I fix. I do. Not a problem. I'm like, sorry, I'm being a real pain here. I'm not being very descriptive at all. And he's like, no, no, don't worry. And a few days later, he pumped out this little gem and I absolutely love it. So if you are looking for, I just want to do a quick plug. If you're looking for somebody who actually knows what they're doing and can come up with tremendous work in a short amount of time for, with very, very minimal instruction, then Mr. Ballysong is your guy. So I'm just putting up his Twitter on the screen right now. Uh, he has a Fiverr account. He's got T-shirts. Uh, you can get in touch with him. Follow him on Twitter. He's a good follow as well. Absolutely tremendous stuff. So thank you, Mr. Ballysong. I'm really happy. Really appreciate it. And he, he does, like I said, uh, some really funny memes, some really funny artwork, and just a, a absolute talent. Uh, I wasn't even expecting <laughs> how happy I would be 
with what I got back. And I'm I, that I, I'm not even making it up. I said, this is fucking perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. And he's like, oh, glad you liked it. Glad you liked it. <laughs> Very cool cat. So Mr. Ballysong on Twitter, if you're looking for any kind of visual artwork, uh, get in touch with him. One other thing before we go to James, and he's waiting very patiently because he's a very busy guy. I just want to send out, for the prayer warriors in the audience, one of the original Boogie Bumper fam members, um, I want to say, uh, could use a little bit of a helping hand. So, uh, Sandra, if you're out there, I hope you're doing well, babe. And thank you so much for your support. And we appreciate it. And for... Anybody who wants to send up some goodwill, some good vibes up into the universe for Sandra, then you should do so because she's a lovely, a lovely lady with a great heart and she's a great fan of this show. So I hope you're doing well, Sandra. I hope you're doing better. And I'm sure you'll be back on your feet anytime now. So, um, yeah, so I didn't really feel like doing a show today as, as for reasons previously explained. So I put a little minimal amount of effort in. But, and I just do want to say one quick thank you to uh, you guys, the audience. I don't, I don't want to come across as wanky. I don't want to come across as douchebaggy. I don't want to pander to you. You know, don't say, oh, you're the best. Thank you so much. Oh. I don't want to do any of that stuff. But I do want to say thank you because it still surprises me that people want to listen to this show. And I, I, I feel obliged to come on. You know, I feel obliged to be here at six o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And it's not just because I have Patreon supporters who are actually paying me to do this, you know, who are tipping me, and I appreciate you as well. Um, even if you're not a Patreon supporter, I feel obliged to you guys because you, you know, you turn up here every night and you download the show and you listen to it and you comment and you get involved. And I mean, without you, it'd just be me sitting here talking to myself, which I would do. Nonetheless, I would do that. But I just want to let you know that you are appreciated. And I want to thank you for the messages and the kind words um, whilst I was on holidays. You Shucks, you really know how to make a guy feel wanted. So thank you so much for hanging in there. But we are back. I'm going to be going through Christmas, New Year. I'm working anyway, so I may as well do shows. I don't even care. No breaks. We're going hot into 2020. Because 2020, I have a suspicion 2020 is going to be one hell of a fucking year. So we're going to be on the ground, ready to rock and roll by the time it comes up. So thank you so much for joining us. Before we get rolling into the stuff that I've got prepared, I do want to bring this guy on. You may know him as the gay flying Hawaiian who wears um, outdated shirts. You might know him as <laughs> you may. <laughs> you may. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know that he, I've turned his mic on yet, by the way. So he's just. <laughs> <laughs> you may know him you may know him as the lesser half of the very successful Sunday night program known as Trust and Verify uh, starring yours truly and some other guy and I'd like to present that other guy right now ladies and gentlemen put them together put them up in the air for the flying Hawaiian James R how are you mate how are you <laughs> How's it going, brother? Like, uh, between that introduction, I, I think I'm done. <laughs> there he goes. Go. There he goes. James R., <laughs> thanks for joining us. <laughs> hey, this, this this ain't trust and verified. This is not neutral ground now, you realize. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I'm in your house. Uh, that's it. <laughs> 
So I, I wanted to bring you on because we didn't get to catch up last night. And to be fair, I would have been dangerously underprepared for last night because from what I've gathered over the last, see, I, I did a little bit of browsing last night. I did a little bit this morning preparing for today's show, James. And so what I can ascertain is the impeachment thing has moved on like 10 steps in two weeks. Like there's a lot more going on, but it's not just the impeachment thing. I mean, I was reading a story earlier. Mayor Pete is now kicking ass in Iowa. (laughs) It's all fucking happening. It's all happening. Do you remember? You remember I said to you, Mayor Pete's the dark horse here. Look out for Mayor Pete. We talked about it on Trust to Verify. Uh, He's starting to come. He's starting to come late as they say in horse racing parlance. So uh, can you give us a boiled down version? What is actually going on? What is happening right now? Well, the boiled down version is uh, uh, they're losing. That's it. I mean, (laughs) that's the boiled down version. I did see today that CNN, of course, and we know CNN's in the the tank for the establishment Democrat Mm -hmm. candidate, uh, but they actually put up a poll that said Mayor Pete, was polling in South Carolina at zero percent oh, in yeah. the black vote. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah, zero yeah. percent. So I mean, who knows what's going on with the Dems? We know that they're trying to cheat. We know that they're trying to to drive every narrative. But exactly as we predicted, this is not just like the the uh, just like we predicted that the uh, election itself, the the primary was it was never about who was the best candidate. It was never about who America wanted. Mm-hmm. It was about who could survive the media. And that was just energizing their base. I mean, you're watching it live right now. I, I rumor has it, according, and this rumor comes from the president. So, presidential rumors I always pay attention to. <laughs> he said, he literally said that Nancy Pelosi was basically uh, shifted into this impeachment shit by Adam Schiff. That he lied to her, really? and she. And she lost her mind, apparently, behind closed doors and, and raised hell and said, uh, we can't impeach him on this crap. What are you doing to me? And so now she's, she's stuck in it because apparently Adam Schiff lied to her, just like he lied to the American people uh, 7,000 times about, wow. I have direct evidence that the president uh, colluded with Russia. We have direct evidence. And we all know that's bullshit. That yeah. never happened. Yeah. I mean, so... Now we're, we're hearing from the president that he lied to Nancy Pelosi and told her that he had the same stuff he's lying to America about. We've got him. We have the whistleblower. He has direct evidence. The president did a quid pro quo. This is it. We're going to get him. Well, you're seeing it live on television that they got nothing. And now Nancy apparently dressed him down for that. So. See, that let, let's, do, let's do two ways here. So number one, I'm going to take the cynical view first. Um, I think there's probably there's there's possibly a very high probability that Donald Trump that that's not true, and Donald Trump is putting it out there to wedge in order to get the moderates against the radicals in terms of the impeachment proceeding. But let's let's entertain the idea and say that it is true for a moment. Now you'll know that on trust and verify, I'm somebody who actually gives Pelosi for all of her downside. I give her a lot of credit. Because I don't think that she can get to that position that she's in without being a particularly cunning, wily political operator, right? Nobody else right. would be able to survive. She was she was literally, people might not know this, she is literally the most unpopular Speaker of the House on record in history. 
when during the Barack Obama years. I mean, she had approval ratings lower than 20%. There are more that you could find people in, there would be more people in Germany who support Adolf Hitler than there was in America who supported Nancy Pelosi. You know what I mean? That, that's like, true. So now remember when she got elected to the speakership, uh, uh, the, the Democrats themselves were like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There was a big contingent. The, the, the only problem was, um, they weren't. They don't have the power. Still, the power still resides mm. in California. California is the beating heart of the Democrat Party, right? So, yep. I mean, uh, Adam Schiff, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Maxine Waters. Th- these are the people who get the big jobs when it comes to uh, you know the chairmanships and stuff. So, let's just say that Schiff did lie to Nancy Pelosi and say you need to push on with this. That would make me very great. I would question Nancy Pelosi's judgment at that point. Because at that point, uh, it says to me that she's lost complete control, if it's true. If it's true. Mm. Because she right. wouldn't be that stupid, right? She, she can't be cunning and she can't be a, a, a manipulative, cunning, intelligent political operator, which I think she is, and still go down this path of impeachment, knowing that she resisted it for so long, knowing she pushed back against it for so long, and knowing that it's going to decimate those moderate seats in the middle of the country, James, where the Democrats are hanging on by margins, sometimes of a few hundred votes, where impeachment right. is very unpopular. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you, and I will po- posit this, that I don't care which is true, both are good for me. So I don't even yeah. care. You know, I, I don't care if it's the president making up some shit. Right on, Mr. President. I'll keep pumping out the bullshit. Yeah. And if it's Nancy Pelosi, but like, there's more evidence, in my opinion, that Nancy Pelosi has completely lost control of the party, and that there is so many schisms inside the Democrat Party that that's what you're seeing. You're literally seeing the power brokers uh, push for power and relevancy in the Democrat Party. Yep. You're, and I'm not talking about even forget about anyone in Congress. Push them all to the side. Let's just look at the money. Let's just look at who the power element brokers are. You can tell that there's a fracture when you have Bloomberg jumping into the race at the last second. You can tell that there's a fracture when you see that uh, what's going on with AOC, Rashida Tlaib, you know, the Fab Four retards over there, uh, you know, and and with Bernie. And we all know what happened to Bernie that he's a marginal candidate at best. Mm-hmm. He's out there to be railroaded by the establishment. And he doesn't again. care because he knows he's going to get millions of dollars. <laughs> again. So, he's going to get yeah, railroaded he again. Knows. He's already done it. He's yeah. already done this fucking play. He's already done this routine. Yeah. He knows what's coming. I mean, yeah. It's not like it's a, it's a secret. Like, you can just look outside of the candidates and see who the players are, where's the money coming from, and who's it going to, to realize that we've been right all along. Look, this is about energizing their base. That's all it is, that they want their base energized. That's why you got people that are polling at 3% Kamala Harris, blaming their campaign manager instead of her knee pads. Yeah. I guess her lips aren't working so well. I mean, you know, I just got to look at these kinds of factors to realize that that's why they're not jumping out of this race. The they're problem is, James, the, the, problem, the problem for Kamala Harris is now in order to get the next job, then if, if the mainstream media is to be believed, then she has to blow Vladimir Putin. And I'm not sure mm. that she can get a free trip to Russia. 
during this campaign trail yeah. because apparently that's how you get made president now is by blowing Vlad- uh, Vladimir Putin. So, you know, getting right. getting the AG in California is one thing, but if you're going to get that next level, then you're going to have to get yourself some Rusky, I'm afraid. Yeah. So I don't know if she's got it <laughs> hey, in she, She's got major issues inside her own party and, and inside the voters, the voter demographics. So they don't like her. I mean, no. she's out there trying to make Look, the attacks right now, and, I, and I'm being perfectly as transparent as I possibly can about how politics works to everybody. The, Demo- the Republicans haven't even begun to spend any money against the Democrats. They, the, the Republicans are, A, usually much mi- more miserly with their cash. Hmm. They're, they're much more miserly at spending cash. They're not spending a dollar yet. Even Jeff Sessions, who jumped in the race, isn't really spending any money. What has he done? One fucking ad, and he's done a bunch of television that earned media. You know that earned media thing. So yep. he's not even he's not even spending any money. That's normal. There's no op research going on. There's nobody's dropping millions of dollars. Brad Parscale is crunching data numbers. They haven't even got to the strategy point of view yet. The only person running strategy right now is Donald Trump, and it's his strategy is let's give the American people what they want. And we're not going to give these lefties an opportunity to steal this thing from us. Well, at least at least tell them what they want to hear. That's the main part. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I'm not an American, so it would be you know, remiss of me to suggest otherwise. But I have a suspicion, James, that um, you know, your average working family in the middle part of the United States isn't too concerned with, uh, say, transgender women getting abortions for free thanks to the government. Yeah. I don't think that that's an issue that really resonates with the kind of votes that they're going to need to win in order to get back to the White House. So it's kind of that thing, isn't it, where you just let people make mistakes. You just keep them. You just continue making mistakes. That's fine. We'll keep talking to other people. We'll speak the language of the buyer. You keep speaking the language of people who will never have a cent to pay. That's fine. Whatever you do, whatever you got to do. It's it's interesting for me because I I studied uh, Trump's campaign closely while it was happening and, I think one of the main things that never gets spoken about with Donald Trump, and it's especially relevant when it comes to the blue wall states, it's the effect of AM radio in the United States is huge. And it's known as a conservative uh, stomping ground, isn't it? It's a a bastion AM radio. Donald Trump, uh, before he even nominated, if you're not aware of this in the audience, he hired a bunch of people to listen to a whole bunch of popular AM radio hosts in the blue wall in the blue wall states to see what they think james and we're talking you know like late night uh drive time radio shows because it's all well and good to tune into uh pbs or cnn and hear the opinion of the intellectual right the university professor who says everybody's a racist um you know those kinds of characters is one thing but i don't want to hear from those guys i want to hear from the plumber I want to hear from the sheet metal worker. I want to hear from the mechanic. I want to know what they're thinking. What do they want? What's interesting them? How did they get motivated to vote? And so he hired a whole bunch of people to listen to these callers on these talkback radio shows, these talk radio shows. And next thing you know, he wins Democrat states that have been held by the blue for the last 30 years. And they're all going, how did that happen? And I just look to his messaging. I look to his campaign messaging at the rallies, right? Bring the jobs back. <laughs> End illegal immigration. Yep. That's what they're concerned about. So you've got to speak yep. the language of the buyer. And then I look over the other side of the Democrats. There are, there are people on the Democrat side of the aisle, too, who want the Democrats to be better. 
who don't like the fact that oh. it's been usurped by this intellectual fringe. And to to be fair, like people think Nancy Pelosi is a radical. In Democrat terms, she's a moderate. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> she's not even that bad. <clears throat> so she can see like this push coming up behind her from like the likes of the squad and whatnot. And she's trying desperately with the other quote unquote moderates in the Democrat party. She's trying desperately to hang on. Like you said before, they're trying to hang on to power, right? Uh, it's yep. a civil war. I, I, who do you think is going to win that civil war on the Democrat side? Question without notice. Well, yeah. You know, to me, the people that are going it, it, to, for the Democrats, it's always going to be the money. That's just the bottom line. They're the guys that have the power, and the Democrats are weak. Hmm. They, they've proved it. Let's look. De- Bernie Sanders has a great time pointing his finger and screaming, hooting, and hollering. But when the push comes to shove, what did he do? He well, rolled over like a little fucking sophomore uh, bitch in high school more, and fucking gave it up. Sorry, sorry to cut you off. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. But more to the point, if I'm part of the Democrat Party machine, I don't trust Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is a Democrat once every four years. As soon as the yep. election's over, he goes back to being an independent again, doesn't he? So fuck him. Right. Like why? why yep. He doesn't that, care about the Democrat Party. Fuck him. Well, that's that would be my opinion yep. if I was Nancy Pelosi. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And that's that's why I see that they're going to be the guys that come out on top at the end. Like, they want Joe because they know Liz Warren won't win. Mm-hmm. But Liz Warren actually has the gravitas behind her right now. She has the people of the Democrat Party behind her. So you can see by the, the corporate media how they're hanging on to Biden. You can see how the, the people in Congress, I mean, what's this fight, this, this bullshit wannabe impeachment trial all about? It's all about Biden. Why? Yeah. Because he's their golden boy. He's their chosen. He's candidate. safe, James. He he's the safe yeah, one. He's safe. Yeah. Yeah. But it was the, the whole reason he was vice president was so that nobody would ever assassinate Barack Obama mm. because everybody would have been too scared of that fucking guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, let's face it. This is just like the president says all the time about Joe Biden. He pulled him off the trash heap of, of polling at one percent. Who? Who's? Who's so excited? This guy. Look. We can go back in all of the historical facts. Joe Biden has run for president since the 80s. And he has never, ever pulled above 5% since the 80s. Yep. Now all of a sudden, he's the fucking golden boy. He's mm. the calf. He's the one going to take us to the promised land, Joe. Come on. <laughs> it's hard I mean, to believe, is isn't ridiculous. it? I, I suspect it's more to do with his popularity with the African-American voters, which I think uh, Democrats are now waking up to the reality that they're desperate to hang on to. Um, and even though they've been pandering to the African-American vote for the better part of four decades, uh, Donald Trump uh, Donald Trump arguably is pandering for votes as well, but it seems like he's doing a good enough of a job to make Democrats say, well, we need to get the guy who's popular with black voters in. Like, th- this is what we have mm. to do. Otherwise, it's going to be cataclysmic. Mm. The losses well, that they suffer. Be, oh, I agree with you 100, 100%. I mean, let's look at what's going on with Blexit. Now, there's people out there, they're saying, we haven't done enough. I agree. But here's the big deal, is that we're really not pandering to the black people for their votes mm-hmm. we're literally just pointing out the truth saying look wake the hell up look yeah. at your numbers look at what's going on get your asses out of this poverty pimp bullshit you know just like the rest of us pull your ass up by your bootstraps and let's get cracking 
And most of them, when they when something wakes them up, then they, they look at the, the Blexit campaign is huge because I will say statistically, numerically, um, we've never been in a better position ever with the black vote. So even though it, it quote unquote, well, may argue, not be arguably enough, after arguably after the Civil War. That might have been a good time for well, the Republicans. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I take it back. I was wrong. I forgot about. We've I never, been, about we've never been more popular with the African Americans. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Absolutely. Fantastic. But yeah, story. I mean that's. Yeah, I think that's why we're gonna we're gonna crush them. Well, so just before I let you go, I know you're very busy. I can hear you probably um, marauding around. Um, at Home Depot as we speak, probably lugging hunks of timber and whatnot. Uh, just before I let you go very quickly. Uh, so Louisiana, uh, I saw a, a report earlier today and it was entitled How Trump Lost Louisiana. And that was just the headline. But that, that was just the headline and already, you know, my autism kicks in and I'm like, well, hang on, Trump wasn't on the ballot in Louisiana. Uh, what does this have to do with Trump? Because I and I know the cynical thing is if he if Louisiana had been won by the Republicans, then they would say it's because of Donald Trump. Uh, if Louisiana is lost, then the Democrats say it's because of Donald Trump, right? So it's always right. going to be spun that way. But can you just give us a right. little bit of, you know, reality on the ground, logistics, what's it like in Louisiana and what does it mean for a Democrat governor well, to happen there? In my That's all right. Still got you. Hold on. That's my fault. That's all right. Am I back? You you're me? back. You're back, all right. baby. All right. Cool. Uh, in my opinion, from what I'm hearing from A, Louisianans, B, what I'm seeing on the ground, uh, this really means just about nothing. Um, you know, you can point to, we can, we can discuss it in multiple ways. You can point to voter fraud, which really looks apparent, just like Kentucky, when you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of vote wins for the Republican Secretary of State, or in Kentucky's case, for the Republican uh, AG. You can look at all down, the entire down ballot. The entire down ballot went Republican by large margins. Is that right? Large really? Margins. Yes. So in both so states, everyone in both is, elections. Really? So everyone except the governor? Yeah, That's... except for the top. So that, that just screams voter fraud. It screams that something is uh, wrong. But let's now do the boogie bumper and take the cynical point of view and say, Brad Parscale better really figure out through the data what actually happened in a state-by-state -state uh, basis to say, you know, it doesn't make sense. Why in the hell would the state overwhelmingly vote for all of these down-ballot people, but not at the top? Hmm. What was really wrong? They need to know what, exactly what would drive any sane Republican to not vote for the top of the ticket. It, not forget about whether or not they voted the opposite way. Sure. Just what would cause them to not vote? Why, why would they not cast that vote for the top of the ticket, knowing what's going on? So that's the cynical point of view. Now I, I lean towards the voter fraud point of view based on the numbers, based on the statistics. But you still have to consider all avenues. Can so, I can I bring uh, a little yeah. history into this? Um, yeah. Is it not? Is it not commonplace? See, there's a there's a thing I'm asking you here. I don't. I'm not saying. Um, in Australia, the trend is whichever party yes, holds. Are you there? Yeah, the split vote. Yeah, I'm here. yeah. Whichever party holds the prime ministership, 
the states are more likely to vote for the other party, right? So the you know our our equivalent of a governor um, would become you know from the other side of the aisle. Yeah. Is that a phenomenon that's commonplace in the United States? Because I know the majority of states it, are held by Republican governors now, but is that a is that a leftover from the Obama era? Do you think? No, not not in the way that you're thinking, but yes, what okay. you're saying is accurate, but not for state governors generally. What, what, we, what the American people have done traditionally prior to Obama is vote to maintain the status quo. So if you vote in the Republican and president who's proven the best leader uh, for military and that kind of stuff, then they tend to try to keep a Democrat more leaning you know, Senate or House, something like that, to balance. Because essentially what the American people want is for government to stop fucking around. Yep. Just don't do anything. We don't want anything accomplished. We don't want any more of your stupid bills changing the name of the post office. We don't want any more fucking taxes. We don't want you to fuck up anything. So rather than let you have the chance to fuck something up, let's make sure you can't do a fucking thing. That is normal for that to occur. Right. And, and in this case in Louisiana, they've had a Democrat governor forever. So it's, it's status quo even in that regard. So again, I could write that off as saying, ah, it's just status quo, but I don't think that's the the intelligent thing to do when we look at this hyper-partisan era where, okay, we have real problems that we want to fix. The American people are screaming to fix it. We will have to bite the bullet, vote in a pure Republican House, a pure Republican Senate in order to get things accomplished. And then once those things that we want accomplished, like taxes lowered, like regulations wiped out, like illegal immigration solved, when, when we can get to that point where we actually can get something done, then America would return to the, okay, let's make sure these fuckers can't fuck anything up and we'll vote Democrat this way, Republican that way, so nothing gets done. But for now, right now, we have to return back all the shit that happened under Obama, and I think America feels that way. I really do. I, I can see what's going on. I think that's a fair comment, and um, I'll, I'll leave you on this because I know you're busy. Um, a couple of comments. Uh, Pinochet in the chat said, in off-year elections, the vote usually goes against the ruling party, but presidential years are more slanted to the White House. I think that's fair because the incumbent always has a lot of power. And uh, there was a comment here by Original Rev who said, the Democrat uh, governor in Louisiana is pro-life and pro-Second Amendment. Uh, popular incumbent ran on pro-life, pro-2A, so maybe a moderate uh, in that part of the world, which does happen because you have Republican governors yeah. in blue states as well who are a little bit more liberal. Yeah. Uh, if So if they're yeah. popular local candidates, they can probably carry a little more weight. So, um, and, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but me as an, you know, an impartial sort of unemotional observer here on the outside, I would say, well, that's kind of what people want, isn't it? They want Democrats to be less crazy and a little more centrist in how they present yes. themselves. So is it necessarily a bad thing that this guy won or, uh, you know what I mean? No, yeah. no. I mean, that's for the people of Louisiana to, sure. to decide. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's a bad thing for us on the national level. In fact, I just the opposite. Like I said, I think it's that bellwether that, hey, Brad, we need you to know that get you have this figured out. Yeah, yeah. get the data, and I, that's all. I mean, you know, I know Rachel Maga, she may be in the chat, I don't know, I can't see it, but, you know, she's in Louisiana. I know there's a bunch of our, our followers that are in Louisiana, and I know that they're not happy about it. 
but I also know that they know, you know, what the scoop is here. But again, I have to look at that data and say, I get, we, we, better, we better at least have looked at voter fraud. We better at least have investigated fully because well, just statistically, it makes no sense. I mean, statistically. Like, can, I give you, can I give you the black pill cynical view on voter fraud? The problem with, sure, of course. The, the problem with um, investigating voter fraud is you're asking government departments to investigate themselves. Every time, true, there's true. never 100%. going to be an independent. I remember having a chat with a mutual friend of ours uh, in the aftermath of the midterms, discussing the results in California, and this person was saying, "Oh, voter fraud, voter fraud." And I said, "Look, if you're holding your breath for voter fraud, then you're going to die of uh, suffocation because um, the only the only instances of voter fraud that are being turned up by government operatives and bureaucrats are Republicans doing it." In you know, in South well, Carolina, so like they're not going well, to if if the hang on, but if the bureaucracy is overwhelmingly Democrat supporting, which we believe it is, like upwards of seventy five percent at least, then uh, well, do you think that they're going to go out of their way to uncover Democrat voter fraud? Like, you know, it's shitty. I I agree true. with you. I agree with what you're saying and the cynical point of view on that, hundred percent. However, I do know that. Um, they, they've, they've got a bunch of people just recently, again, uh, I think it was four more people in government positions uh, that have just been arrested within the last three weeks. So, wow. uh, you know, there's, there are things happening from the DOJ side of this, mm. you know, but it's, and again... It's a culture change, cynical, though. It's a, it's, a sh- yeah. it's a slow shift, isn't it? Like, yeah, yep. these things Very take slow. time. Um, right, which is why they politically need to make that statement. It's sure. not about whether or not, to be honest, again, cynically, it's not even that anything has to get done. It's that yeah. the people have to feel something's being attempted. Yep. Like, they have to feel like you're paying attention here, you know, and at least, you know, show the people what you're doing. That's, a, that's what politics is, really, at its core. Oh, yeah. It's, about, it's a game of managing expectations. People are far more happy when they think something is being done as opposed to things actually being done. It's a shitty reality of, of, you know, voter mentality in 2019. But I'll let you go, James. Thank you so much for filling me in. Thank you so much for letting us know what's going on. Uh, You can follow James at Real Person, PLTCS. He does daily periscopes. Uh, Good, nice little 10-minute little chewy, chewy. Oh, I think he's just, I think he's just dropped his toolbox by the sounds of that. (laughs) Uh, Anything else, James, at the end there? Uh, yeah, uh, make sure that you buy those gay Hawaiian shirts. Yes. Uh, support me. <laughs> I'm wearing mine now, sexy. <laughs> Other than that, good to have you back. I can't wait to do the show again this week. And uh, and uh, maybe, hey, what do you do? I'm going to ambush you, too. What about uh, you should do pirate radio with us this Friday if you can get the time. Oh, okay. So, we'll see how we go. We'll yeah. see how we travel. All right. Absolutely. See if I can squeeze it into my very, very busy, famous guy schedule, James. We'll see how we go. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Thanks, thanks, Berg. Appreciate being on. Thanks, mate. Absolute pleasure to have you. All right, man. Talk to you. There he goes. James R., ladies and gentlemen. The flying Hawaiian. It's good to catch up. Uh, If anybody else wants to get on the show, you know how to do it. Join the Discord. Join the waiting room. Let's get into things, shall we? We're already an hour in. I might have to take some more uh, painkillers by the time this show has finished. Uh, I did want to touch on this. I went pretty hard on the vaping thing. So in the last 24 hours, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Daily Boogie. Thank you so much for joining us. 
in the last 24 hours, uh, the Trump administration has backed off. They've backed off the uh, reported vaping ban. And I want to see how it's being reported on CNN. I haven't watched this clip, but here's a truthism for you in politics when it comes to framing and when it comes to, you know, trying to present your opponent in a in a particular way you're always trying to make ne- uh, positives look like negatives right that's that's constantly happening whether you're somebody in the press whether you're another politician whether you're an underling whether you're an operative the the game is constantly trying to take somebody's positive and present it as a negative as a way as a means of chipping away their support from their base right so when you get a politician who announces something it's it's so funny to me because once you see it you can't unsee it and once you if you're a cynical bitter and twisted individual like myself uh then you see it constantly um the biggest complaint that we get when it comes to like average voters today like now uh in regards to politicians is they're not listening to us right like that's the number one thing that keeps coming back from people who vote over and over and over again, they feel detached from their elected officials. They feel like the politicians aren't paying attention to what they want. This could be Republican or Democrat. It doesn't matter. It is it is the one unifying um, mindset across all demographics is that they feel like the politicians aren't paying attention to what they want. So when you get uh, something like this happens, so Donald Trump put out there um, this really shitty idea of going to war on vape pens and vaping and stuff. It was harebrained. It wasn't well thought through. It was just floated. It was just pushed out there. I forget the news cycle at the time. That might have had something to do with it. But uh, there was overwhelming pushback against Donald Trump for this. And it came from average people. It came from the internet. It came from people who run these businesses. They said, this is terrible. You know, you're going to send us broke. And then he backed off. Now, to me, this would be a good thing because that, to me, shows a politician who is actually listening and paying attention, right? But what you'll find is uh, the way this would get presented in the press, which is against that politician, is to say, oh, he backflipped, right? Oh, he doesn't have the courage of his convictions. He backflipped. He made an announcement. Now he's caving in to pressure. It's all of these kind of descriptive terms are used. Because we're trying to take a positive thing, that being a politician coming up with an idea, listening to people who overwhelmingly say it's a bad idea, and then deciding not to go through with it. That's a positive thing. That's what we, that's exactly what we want from politicians. And that's what Democrats and Republicans, left and right, independents in the middle, they all want politicians to listen to what they want. <laughs> But the corporate press is in the Washington bubble and is in the tank so hard against this guy that they will now present this as a negative i suspect and they'll say he caved into pressure uh he doesn't have the courage of his convictions he didn't follow through on his original blah 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 so let's check it out let's see what's seen let's see if i'm right because i haven't watched it let's see what they say president trump now rethinking a major public health problem rethinking and flavored e-cigarettes vaping the president said back in september was killing kids but the New York Times reports the president now dramatically backing off a proposed... Say dramatically backing off, rethinking. He's second-guessing himself. He doesn't know. He's confused. ...span 
after warning from advisors. Those warnings included being shown polling in battleground states, showing negative results for the president. <laughs> See, he's only doing it because of votes. He's only doing it because of votes. And this is presented as though that this is an uncommon thing. No, no, no. Every politician watches focus groups and watches polling and listen. And they're all, here's the thing. Politicians are always listening to what people want, but they don't always do what people want. If there's a particular policy that is very unpopular with the people but the, the politicians are committed to it, then they'll find a way to spin it or they'll push it through in the middle of the night or they'll squeeze it in underneath some other policy push that they're doing. They'll do it in secret. They'll do it behind your back. They'll find another way to bring it in, right? If they really want something, they'll do it. So to, to present it, like it's disingenuous to present it like, well, his policy advisors told him that this is an unpopular thing to do and he decided to not do it. And I'm like, good, good, good. Because more often than not, the policy advisors will say, this is a very unpopular thing to do. And the politicians say, fuck the voters and do it anyway. That's the opposite of what we should want. Left or right, regardless of what party you identify with, you want politicians to listen to your opinions Say what you say is un- see what you say is unpopular, and then not do that thing. the The biggest complaint we have with modern day politicians is that they don't listen, and that they push on with unpopular ideas, regardless of how loud people are screaming in their face to not do it. If he followed through on a ban, just listen to the president's words in September, and then earlier this month, <laughs> see, he's a flip flopper. Looking at vaping very strongly, it's very dangerous. Uh, children have died, people have died. We have to take care of our kids, most importantly. So we're gonna have an age limit of 21 or so. We have a lot of people to look at, including jobs, frankly, because you know, it's become a pretty big industry, but we're gonna take care of- <laughs> I'm sorry. Every time he says industry, I can't know, industry. <laughs> like it's three words. <laughs> The jobs part, that's part of the, as the you could see in the evolution. Uh, now they're coming to the president saying there's this jobs at stake here. But that's a pretty big flip in a pretty short period of time. Uh, it's a pretty big flip. We are talking about flavoured vape juice here. Um, <laughs> there's much bigger flips in politics. Remember Barack Obama saying we'll get out of Afghanistan? Remember that flip? Remember that flip-flop? Ah, well. It definitely is. And it, uh, it it's something that... I mean, we've seen other examples of this, you know, after several mass shootings, for example. Why do all of these Washington correspondents sound like me, like with a stuffed nose? Yes, well, it is a very big shift. You know, we've seen other politicians in this area. They've been very focused on uh, what people are saying, but they just choose to ignore them anyway. You know, this has caused massive concerns for Donald Trump's policy team. Why, why are they always speaking like that? Can't we get a nice, you know, deep male voice in these conversations from time to time? Because if it isn't the shrill, yeah, well, I, if, if it isn't this guy, well, well, I don't think that Donald Trump should really be there. If it's not that guy, then it's the shrill, shrieking, shrieking women. <laughs> well, he's flip-flopping. Can't we remember the days when television presenters were very cool and reasonable? 
Well, it makes sense to me that Donald Trump wouldn't want to affect jobs because if he's going to run as the uh, economic president, then it's not in his interest to put uh, a couple of hundred thousand people out of work overnight due to an, a poorly thought out policy that his wife cooked up. You know, maybe that's not a good idea. That makes sense to me. Why wouldn't he go back on this idea? Just because Melania said it doesn't mean it's it's true, right? I mean, Melania, I have issues with Melania. Her two big things that she wants to do are, you know, ban vaping and cyberbullying. So she, she wants to give more uh, power to tech companies to just ban people. And she wants to ban vaping. I'm like, Melania, can you just look pretty? Okay. I don't have a problem with you when you just look pretty. Can you do? Can you feed hungry children or something? You know, do something normal. Leave the internet to us and leave the vaping to the vapors. We're fine. We don't need any advice. We don't need tips in this area. So I think Donald Trump is like, you know, he's trying to be the good husband. Melania, you know, Donald, I have a, I have a good idea. You know, the children are dying from the vaping. Is that right? I don't know anything about. You said Melania's come up with an idea. We're gonna vape. We're gonna ban the vapes. And then six months later, he's getting he's getting all this feedback. Going, no! What the hell are you doing, you madman? I wonder if he had a conversation with Melania later on that night. You know, Melania. You know, I love you, babe. You know, I love you. You're a tremendous mother, tremendous first lady, the best first lady, best first lady we've ever had. But next time you come up with some of these ideas, why don't you just put them on the refrigerator? And I'll get back to them when I get a chance, okay? Okay, they're not too, they're not too fond of your cyberbullying and your vape pen banning. But, but Donald, they love me. You know, no, they love me, Melania. They love me. They think you're okay, but I mean, let's be honest here. I could go out the door and just grab a pussy on the street. Nobody would even care, Melania. Nobody would even care. You're here because of me, Melania. Don't you fucking forget it. No, I don't know if he says <laughs> I don't know if he goes that far. He probably should, though. He probably should. Sorry, Melania. Said he was going to do something on guns, and then nothing has happened. But this was something uh, that even a lot of people around him thought, you know, he was serious about this. He has a son who um, you know, was of the age when I can start doing uh, vaping and things. Uh, but this was clearly a reversal you know, because his uh, political aides have said it's not uh, uh, popular. And also yeah. part of his charm and appeal is not... Are regulating, you know, and does not want to be seen as the sheriff, if you will. <laughs> See how they're making it like it's a bad thing? You know, part of his appeal is that he doesn't want to be regulating and banning things. Boo! Ban, ban the things! What the hell are you doing there? Um, so, for those reasons, but I think, uh, you know, um, it's it seems not necessarily what the first lady had said she was going to uh, influence him on. Right. Oh, who gives a fuck? Who gives a fuck what the first lady wants? Honestly, honestly. Like you might you might really like Melania. You might think she's really nice. But did you vote for Melania Trump in this in that previous election? Like, tell me, I might be wrong. Maybe you did vote for Melania Trump, but Melania Trump isn't the president. Donald Trump is. So he gives a fuck what Melania wants. <laughs> Honestly, who cares? She can have her ideas. She can make suggestions. She can have nice things to say. That's fine. But it doesn't mean you have to do what she says. 
And he had mentioned the First Lady in the announcement when he said they were going to do something about this, talking about their son, and mentioning the First Lady as being someone pushing him to do this. Uh, Stephanie Grisham, the White House Press Secretary, saying this today in reaction to this, through her initiative, Be Best, Mrs. Trump has put her priority on the health and safety of children. She does not ah. believe e-cigarettes or any nicotine products should be marketed or made available to children. So right. trying to keep the focus there on under 21, on children. Uh, but she had hoped, the First Lady had hoped for more from the administration, without a doubt. Well, and, and I think what we've seen for, for the entire three years of Trump's been in office is that is that there's a disconnect between the first lady and sometimes go. the, the first, uh, Ivanka Trump as well oh. a, a, and the president's actual policy beliefs. Oh, oh, who would have thought that a family would have different ideas about what's a good idea to do in politics and fuck me, what a scandal. You know, it's something. It's something. <laughs> these are these are the fucking feminists, by the way. These are the people who talk about feminism and empowered women having their own opinion. Now they're saying it's a bad thing that the wife of the president doesn't agree with everything. That the daughter of the president has her own ideas. How dare she? I remember the good old days when the women in the family used to just walk in lockstep and agree with everything the man, the head of the household, had to say. Two scoops, two burgers, two steaks, and shut the hell up, woman. You'll speak when you're spoken to. I'll tell you what's a good idea or not. <laughs> They've gone from feminist to women have their own opinions, women should be allowed to express their opinions, to I don't think it's very productive for Melania to, and Ivanka to have their own opinions here. I don't think it's a good idea that they disagree with their husband slash father slash president publicly. I mean, this is very uncommon. Ladies and gentlemen, modern-day feminism from CNN. Woo! Empowered chicks! I love it. The, you know, the First Lady and Ivanka have expressed opinions about guns, uh, about... Uh, how dare they? Just put on your petticoat and slap some foundation on, slap a little bit of rose on that cheek there and get out there and look pretty for the cameras. About climate change, about other things that, that are... Word smiter in the chat, who I respect. It's like our entire media has turned into tabloid theatre. You, you have to wait and see for the next, the next item I've got for you. You have to see what I've got coming up after this. And then I've got some articles and stuff, but the, the next thing will fucking blow your mind. What you think corporate media has become versus what it used to be, uh, it's scary. The extent that these level, uh, the level that these people are going to, to completely and utterly erode and destroy their own industry, it's it's breathtaking. Perhaps at odds with the president's policy positions, and nothing seems to change. You know, those uh, those uh, whatever influence they might have or might exercise over the president, either they they pull it back or, or it doesn't have the influence that they might have. And, and part of the challenge. Oh, boo, fucking who? <laughs> You're free to express your opinion, but you are not the president. So, tough shit, Melania. Uh, here we go. I wanted to show you this because, like I said, I, I watched like the first 10 seconds of this. And this is scary stuff. I don't know what Chris Hayes is doing. I don't know what his angle is. But this looks like a late night comedy talk show. Like this looks like Jay Leno or David Letterman or Conan O'Brien welcoming a guest onto stage. Let's watch this together. You'll see what I mean. The, the vapid uh, canned laughter, canned applause, very shallow, simplistic, you know, side of politics. It's we, the corporate media is now turning 
politicians into shitty celebrities. They bemoan the fact that Donald Trump was a reality TV star and got elected. But if you see what's happening in reality, they're now trying to turn all of their politicians into reality TV stars too. See, they don't like that Donald Trump was elected after being on a TV show, a very successful TV show. So, But they realise that that might have um, helped him somewhat in his election run. So now what they're doing is changing their platforms into TV shows and not news, not panel shows. They're turning them into late night comedy shows. Have a look at this. Midway through today's uh, impeachment inquiry hearing, the president was accused of witness tampering on Twitter after sending out a tweet attacking Marie Ivanovich, of course, the former U.S. ambassador. Like this, this could be a monologue on Colbert. This could be a monologue on Jimmy Kimmel. To Ukraine while she was testifying to Congress. One of the sharpest rejoinders came from one of the sharpest tweeters of the Democratic House caucus, Congresswoman. Listen, listen to how fluffy this is. Listen to how manufactured this is. Like, I often think, like, I, I grew up, I was a massive David Letterman fan. Myself and the, and the co-host on The Starting Block, which is early Wednesday morning, your time, about 4.30 in the morning. Yes, I do have a Buttigieg Edge or Buttigieg photo gate story. That's up next, Pinochet. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. I will cover that one. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm getting to that. So I was a massive David Letterman fan. The reason that I loved David Letterman growing up was uh, I think I identified a talent in him that I don't see very often in many other people. His whole show, his whole premise, and I think most people overlook this, was wasting your time. He used to waste the audience's time with like shitty little segments that were pointless, right? Next time, bring your sister, your hump. Will it float? They'll talk, they bring out you know, an object and a little bath and discuss for 10 minutes, will this object float or not? It's just a complete waste of the audience's time. That's the talent that I loved most in David Letterman. So that's why I wasn't a fan of Leno. Conan was good, but he was no David Letterman. But this kind of fluffy intro, I suspect a lot of the time those hosts really didn't like the person that was booked on the show or at least didn't have any kind of affection towards them, but they would feign it. You know, well, you've, you're just so you're just so fucking talented, and you've done this movie, and you, you know you've been working with these people who I also hate. But tell us about how wonderful that is. Tell us about how glorious your work is, and tell us about what a wonderful person you are. And this is what I'm seeing now from people like this, this hack, Chris Hayes. Like <laughs> she hasn't even walked out yet. Have a look. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Maybe you've heard of her. Uh, quote. Trump himself is clearly not satisfied with only one article of impeachment. His choice to publicly broadcast his own personally authored witness intimidation means he wants to sign up for another article on obstruction. It's, it's like he's trying to be the new Seth Myers or something, right? Obstruction of justice, too. Please join me in welcoming Congressman Alexander. All you need is a band leader now when she walks out doing the little wave. That's the same thing that everybody does on the late night shows when they come out. The band's playing. Dun, 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 dun. They're doing the little wave. Hey. And they're pointing to nobody in the crowd pretending like they are. God. Hey. How are you? Have a seat. Have a seat. Look at It's a late night talk. It's a late night comedy show now. Uh, I guess it's not surprising the president did that. 
No, not surprising at all, <laughs> um, I'm sure. And it certainly seemed my Republican colleagues were scrambling after he sent out those tweets, trying to provide some kind of cover. I mean, it's a... Uh, they're really beclowning themselves at this point, <laughs> trying to somehow. <laughs> Why is that funny? See the can I wouldn't be surprised if the little red light started flashing. Laugh, laugh, laugh. It, it's a late night talk show now, and you can see the presentation here. Like I said, the way she walked out, uh, the sitting on the lounges, very casually. Yes, Rupert Hello's Deli spots were my favourite Letterman bits. Uh, my best mate actually went to Rupert's Hello Deli and got a selfie with him and bought a sandwich. <laughs> because because it's Rupert. So it's, it's a very friendly audience. It's not like hard-hitting political journalism that's happening here. This is late night. Tell us about your movie and why, why are you so good at it stuff. I'll find it's, a way. It's completely transparent. To both preserve their careers and their futures while protecting this president and they're not possible and they're going with the latter. So you're someone who I think um, you came to Congress with a very strong vision and agenda. Uh, you were clear about that when you ran your say a strong vision and agenda, not a radical vision and agenda, a strong one primary that you won. And I think there's a there's an interesting sort of debate about this impeachment. Even other Democrats would say she's a fucking radical and she's unhinged. And uh, if we were to, you know, bring in her policies, then we would be doomed at the next election. Other uh, Democrats say that. But because we're being very friendly, because we're patting her on the back, because we're fluffing her up, oh, you're very strong. You're very strong-willed, aren't you? You're a very dedicated person, aren't you? You have a very strong agenda. What does that even mean, a strong agenda? Does that mean that she says the same things over and over and over again, regardless of whether it's popular or not? Because that's what she does. And about the president that has to do with, you know, is this the best use of legislative time? There, you've seen some Republicans saying it's not. As someone who has an agenda that you want to pass, right, that you want to see happen, how do you view impeachment in that context? Well, I'm, I'm not very concerned about it because we're I able just want to skip ahead here. Do you, so. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> what do you view the stakes as here? I think that some people think um, he's bad in a normal way. Some think he's bad in an oh, this, abnormal way. Some think he he's genuinely represents like an actual real existential constitutional threat to the order of the Republic. Where are you on that scale? Yeah, it's bad. It's, um, it's really bad. It's <laughs> Don't you find it funny that if you were talking about uh, ideological subversion, uh, the march through the institutions, this kind of thing, then you would be regarded as somewhat of a fringe radical conspiracy theorist or maybe even a far-right conspiracy theorist perish the thought um but now you have the corporate media openly talking about the uh, the the president of the day the elected president is destroying the institutions destroying the rule of law if he gets another four years we're all gonna die in a pit of fire the exact same kind of rhetoric that the msnbc's and the cnn's and the abc's 
would have been railing against in previous times. That's extreme. Don't you sound like a conspiracy theorist? You're unhinged. Don't talk like that. It's not productive. But it's not only the fact that they're saying it. You have to take into consideration the presentation. So it's a very bland, very safe, very, uh, you know, fluffy, happy little setting here. Like I said, like a late night talk show kind of vibe. But they're actually talking about existential threats. But they're doing it in a very casual manner. That's all about just implanting in you. Because, see, if you come if you come at somebody and tell them that, you know, the world's going to end and you're screaming and you're ranting and raving and carrying on, they're probably less likely to listen to you. But if you can just pass on the idea amidst a very casual conversation with lots of smiles and lots of laughter and, oh, yes, and the clapping, yes, and the, the can't, <laughs> she's so funny and personable. If you can, you know push those ideas out that way, then the effect is very different. People are more receptive, right? Because you're being charismatic, you're being charming, you're being nice, you're not being confrontational, you're not being aggressive and so on and so forth. So they've gone well out of their way to give you this nice, cosy presentation of just a couple of friends having a chat on a couch, having a chat like you would, you know, over breakfast or at a bar. But what they're saying, the message that they're, the subtext to this conversation is, we're all going to die if we don't vote against this guy. Like, it's bad. It's an existential threat. The rule of law is coming to an end. The republic is going to burn in a pile of its own ashes. (laughs) She's so nice. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. But she's so friendly, right? Got to make it, exactly, got to make the poison palatable. It's not normal, bad. It is um, threat to the republic and to the order of American society, bad. And if we don't hold... A threat to the order of American society, bad. Not extremist at all. Not fringe at all. Not conspiracy theorist at all. Why? Look how casual we are. This is just a friendly chat between friends. We're not going over... We're not going over the top here. We're not being particularly incendiary with our rhetoric. No, not at all. It's just a threat to everything. The country will cease to exist if you vote for Donald Trump again. It's just, you know, we're just being very calm. (laughs) It's very bad, isn't it? Yes. We're all going to die, aren't we? Yes, we are. (laughs) Yeah. Yay. Isn't it shocking? Could be Seth Meyers. Could be Jimmy Kimmel. Instead, it's the real news, ladies and gentlemen. The corporate news. Uh, let's get to this. We may mention this earlier. Mayor Pete's big announcement about black support cited people who aren't black and don't support him. <laughs> oops, oops, oopsie. Ah, Mayor Pete, South Carolinans uh, endorse Mayor Pete. The link goes to an article in the HBCU Times. HBCU stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities, which is credited to three prominent black South Carolina figures above and more than 400 Douglas Plan endorsers. The article praises the Douglas Plan's proposed spending programs and legal reforms, arguing there is one presidential candidate who has proven to have intentional policies designed to make a difference in the black experience. God, this mealy-mouthed... Make a difference in the black experience? What the hell are you talking about, bro? (laughs) 
make a difference in the black experience. Sounds <laughs> sounds like sounds like the blurb you would put under a fucking porn movie. That's Pete Buttigieg. The political usefulness of such a document is obvious for Buttigieg, who is polling very poorly with black voters, both nationally and in South Carolina, which holds the fourth Democratic primary caucus and has a majority black Democratic electorate. But this is the big thing. So he put out a picture on Twitter the other day and said, you know, you know, oh, here's some black people who love me. Uh <laughs> Pete Buttigieg says he was unaware that a stock photo on his website depicted a Kenyan woman. Where is this? Oh, see, they won't show the picture. You won't show us the picture, will you? Huh? That's a bridge too far. We don't want to add to. We don't want to add to the fire, do we? Sources within South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg's presidential campaign told Salon on Monday that his website's use of a stock photograph of a Kenyan woman alongside his plan promoting African-American empowerment was accidental. I guess there's a first time for everything. So this would be the first time that uh, somebody from Kenya... So this would be the first time that Democrats were unaware that somebody from Kenya was representing the Democrat Party, I, I guess. First time. Never happened before. Sorry, it's fucking too easy. It's really too easy. What am I talking about? Wouldn't you like to fucking know? I'm certainly not going to engage in any kind of conspiracy theory. That's for damn sure. You won't see that kind of nonsense here on this program. Absolutely not. The photograph was removed from the Douglas plan, the Douglas plan page on Buttigieg's website in September, and a source close to Buttigieg to the Buttigieg campaign told Salon it was not an image intended to actively use to promote the plan. The source added that the campaign had no idea the photograph had been taken in Kenya, and it was removed from their website, and that the campaign only did so as part of a regular update. Oh, isn't that nice? They had no idea. Oh well. Congratulations. I'm glad I'm certainly glad that they sorted out that problem post haste. I'm glad that they sorted that out quickly. Heaven for Fen. The controversy over the photograph first erupted after Ryan Grimm, a journalist at The Intercept who covered Buttigieg's Douglas plan, said a Kenyan woman reached out to him to point out the photograph was being used by Buttigieg for his campaign, showed her. <laughs> a Kenyan woman got in touch. All the way over there in Kenyan. Look, I don't know what a I don't know what a butter gig is, but I, I'm not part of it. I'm sorry, I'm not part of your butter judge. He also added the story behind the photograph was quote a photographer made the photo available online for free. A stock photo place grabbed it, and Pete grabbed it from there. She didn't intend to pose for a stock photo, but did agree to be photographed. His original article discussed a controversy in which the Buttigieg campaign claimed its Douglas plan had been endorsed by prominent African-Americans in South Carolina. In an article, the HBCU Times, the campaign listed as endorsers of Buttigieg's plan, Columbia City Councilwoman Tamika Devine and Reboth, Reboth uh, Pastor and State Rep Ivory Thigpen. Devine told The Intercept that she had not yet endorsed a candidate in a presidential election and that while she endorsed the plan, it was not intended to be read as an endorsement of Buttigieg's campaign. <laughs> See, in this thing where he says 400 uh, South Carolinans support my plan, it turns out like 40% of them aren't even black. They're white. This is, this is shit. 
See, identity politics is cancer, but eventually if you keep trying to give everybody else cancer, you're going to catch cancer yourself. You know what I mean? You're going to get some cancer on your fingers. If you're going to play the identity politics game, then eventually it's going to come back and bite you on the dick, man. We've been trying to say this for 10 years, for 20 years. The harder you push identity politics, the harder you, the the more, you know, fortified you make those lines against around identity, the harder it's going to hit you because eventually you'll be the racist. Eventually you'll be the guy. Right now, it's easy for you to point out there and say, oh, that's a racist, that's a racist, that's a Nazi, that's a white supremacist, that's a that's a white nationalist, blah, 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 blah. It's like spewing after a night on the Terps. Anybody can do it. Anybody can point at anybody and make claims about them. But if that's the game you're going to play, then trust me, eventually you're going to be the racist because you're not pandering hard enough. You're not going far enough. You're not extreme enough. Or you used a stock photo of a black woman from Kenya, or you made a a big announcement about all of these black people that love you, and it turns out that 40% of them aren't even black. That's the grave you've dug for yourself. That's what you wanted. This is what you wanted. You wanted identity to be the main thing. You wanted everybody to be concerned with identity. And now that it's coming back to bite you on the dick, you don't want to play that game anymore. You don't want to be part of that game anymore. We we tried to warn you about identity politics, but you wouldn't listen. And so the Rhodes Scholar, uh, the former military veteran, the gay guy, uh, he's he's too white though. I'm afraid he can't run because he's a he is even though he has homosexual sex, he is still a white man. So he's definitely not inclusive enough. I'm afraid. Sorry, Pete. <laughs> I still do think he's the dark horse though. Well, we really need a new term for dark horse because it's kind of racist, isn't it? Don't you think? Uh, UK Neil is on the line. Thanks for joining us, Neil. Are you there? Oh, he's just dipped out again. Are you there, Neil? Can you hear me? You got me. There you go. There he is. How are you, mate? Thanks for calling in. How you doing? How you doing, mate? How you doing? I feel, I feel like I haven't turned up to the party right. I haven't got my gay Hawaiian shirt on. Oh, well, you must have one. You must get yourself a gay Hawaiian <laughs> shirt. You, absolutely. It's a must-have It's a must have hit for the summer down here in the Southern Hemisphere, I'd let you know. <laughs> well, it looks like you had a good holiday, mate. <laughs> I did. I did. Like I said, I drank my body weight in cocktails daily from about 7 a.m. every single morning, but I didn't miss a lot. Oh, but hang on. I, I do want to get your opinion on this if I can. I do have a story here because we are in election season in the UK, aren't we? And so, oh, yes. Well, I came across this and I want to get your opinion because this could be an earth-shattering moment, ladies and gentlemen. Forget about Brexit. Forget about education. Forget about culture. Forget about mass immigration. Forget about economics. Forget about trade. Forget about all those things. You thought they were important. You thought these were the issues that people were going to vote on. But I've got news for you. Uh, This is from Sky News, by the way, another real news source because we're dealing with real news here, Neil. Uh, We don't do uh, gossip, you know, like AOC on MSNBC. General election, outrage as Boris Johnson makes cuppa and adds milk with the bag still in the mug. That's the headline I've got on the news here. Prime Minister Boris Johnson's hot drink faux pas came in an election broadcast on social media. Boris Johnson, get this, this is fucking actual quote, Neil. Boris Johnson has sparked outrage after pouring milk in a cup of tea before taking the bag out. 
The Prime Minister's hot drink faux pas came in election broadcast on social media. One viewer, one viewer, one viewer wrote on Facebook, anyone else annoyed by the fact that he put the milk in whilst the tea bag was still in the mug? And then followed a deluge of comments on the etiquette of making the perfect cuppa, with some branding his actions a sin, and one individual even saying, ooh, I could never vote for somebody who does that. Neil. (laughs) Bag out before milk in, apparently. I've always put the milk in when the bag's in when I make tea. I'm not a big tea drinker, but if I do, I like to have the bag in because I I want really, really, really strong tea because I'm a coffee drinker. So I bash the tea bag up against the side of the glass trying to squeeze every bit of flavor. And as it gets more brown, I'm like, okay, I'm getting more tea in here. You know what I mean? Mate, mate, there, there's wars start over here in how you make your tea. There is, there is wars. <laughs> I mean, there is actual wars. I mean, don't, uh, you know, forget Brexit, forget World War Two. You know what? It, people will start actual wars in their households over how you make your tea in the UK. It, it's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And just a side point there, have you, have you ever seen the video with Boris when he brings the tray of tea out for the mainstream media? No, I haven't. No. Should I look for this? Oh. Uh, if you can get it now, it's um, it's a video of him, and he brings. He basically is when he made the comment about a year or two ago um, about the burqa, and um, the mainstream media tell about it looking like a him. looking like a mailbox. Is that the one? Yeah, that's it. And uh, the mainstream media turned up at his house to attack him, and he walks out with these Hawaiian shorts on and a tray of tea, <laughs> literally just walking around going to the mainstream media. Listen, don't worry about that. Just have a cup of tea. Here's a cup of tea. Have a cup of tea. Here he is. I've got him. I've got him. I'll throw him up on the screen. This is brilliant. This is brilliant. This is, see, this is Boris Johnson to me. Like, I know he's the private schoolboy, Neil, and I know he's like the academic, and I know he's the former editor of the uh, newspaper and all of that kind of thing. I know he's the former London mayor, but this is what I picture when I picture Boris Johnson, like the the morning hair going in every direction in his shitty clothes, like bringing out cups of tea. Here we go. Will you have a cup of tea? Will you apologize for your Would you like a cup of tea? Yeah, sure. <laughs> have a cup of tea. Thank you, thank you. Do you regret your comments? Do you regret your comments? Do you regret your comments? Don't worry, go and have a cup of tea. Thank you very much. There you go. There you go. Do you regret your comments, sir? I want you. I want you to have a cup of tea. If I have you a cup of tea, will, will you will you answer <laughs> no, my question? No, I'm, I, that's, I'm here solely on a humanitarian mission because you've been here all day <laughs> and you've been incredibly patient and incredibly. And I feel very sorry for you because I have nothing to say about this. Okay. Okay. Go on. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so. That's the real talent of the guy. See, they're trying to lynch Boris Johnson, right? Because obviously the media is full of lefties, far worse than in the UK than it is even in the United States. Believe it or not, um, uh, Neil, I think can is you know can testify to that. But the great talent of somebody like Boris Johnson is being able to make people who hate you laugh. Right? Like it's hard to hate somebody when they're handing you a cup of tea in the in the afternoon. You know what I mean? It's it's a very good disarming thing that he's just done there. Very clever. And he's come no, out looking like he's come out looking like a goof on purpose. Like he's not wearing a suit, you know. Like if you're a union leader, yeah. Neil, and you're having, you know, you're a, you're a union guy. You get paid. You're a union boss. You get paid a lot of money to be a union boss. And you've got two cars in your garage. One is a Ford, a beat up Ford Escort, and the other one is a Porsche. Which car would you drive to the union rally? It's not the Porsche, is it? Exactly. 
Yeah, you beat up exactly. the you, you drive the beat up Ford Escort. So Boris Johnson, very rich guy. You know, he's got a lot of money in the bank, but he's not going to walk out there wearing a suit and answer the questions. He's going to walk out there wearing his pajamas, basically, and hand him a cup of tea. It's brilliant. But yeah, no, those are wine shorts, do it. And and I, I think I think that Sky article was possibly because they didn't get their cup of tea. Ah, <laughs> you think it's a bit of revenge? <laughs> bit of revenge. Well, you can see he's in in that video. He hasn't poured any milk. Like he's letting the people pour their own milk. There's a bag of sugar there and a little bottle of milk. So he's considered them. Yeah. People like to milk their yeah. own tea, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Definitely, definitely. Can I ask you, since you are on the ground over there in the UK, Neil, um, how's the general shaping up? Um, You know, I I see uh, Jeremy Corbyn's been very hot on the campaign trail over the last couple of weeks. Um, Are they pushing shit uphill? Are the Tories in control, do you think, like as a a guy over there? Well, here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what you know. What you've been following while you've been away, Boogie. But basically, nothing. Um, as I, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> all right. Okay. <laughs> but, all right. This this could be some time then, because uh, yeah, basically, um, obviously, as I said a fair number of times in my scopes after October thirty first, Boris's popularity was going to go downhill, uh, and yes, it went downhill. Even though he was still saying, "I'm going to do my own election." Da 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 da. Well, yep. funny enough, within a few weeks, it was. Nigel, can we can we join up? Nigel, yeah. Really? Yeah, they've joined up. They've joined up now. Really? They've joined up. Yeah. That is yep. surprising to me because I, you know, you you probably listened to the Common Discourse podcast, the most recent one we did, myself and Varun, and I think on that show we were saying, well, I was saying that uh, it would make sense for me that you know Boris Johnson doesn't team up with Nigel Farage because. Uh, you know, he wants as many people as he possibly can to vote for the Tory party. He doesn't want to drive votes to the Brexit party, does he? Because that's going to make his position more untenable. But maybe they've looked at the numbers, they've looked at the data, and they've said, look, if you distance Nigel Farage, you're going to get smashed. The best thing to do here would be to bring him in, you know, put him under the wing, right? Well, no, the, well, the actual plan here is is to destroy Labour. Right. This is the hope of them joining up because... You know, what, what's the one party that is in Parliament literally stopping everything happening? Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got your SNPs, you've got your, your, your other... You've got party. your rebel Tories as well. Yeah, but the, the main power force behind every decision not going right is Jeremy Corbyn and Labour Party. Right. So the whole point of Boris uh, working out a deal with Nigel Farage is, is between the two of them, they're going to strategically work out how they're going to take out the Labour Party. And that's the whole point of them joining up is to eradicate the Labour Party. Now, can now, I ask you? Can I ask you? Is the Brexit Party then not running candidates in Tory favoured seats? Yes. Right. Yeah, they're, they're basically agreeing on which are the best seats, the the favoured seats for Tories. Then obviously, yep. um, Brexit Party MPs have stepped down. Uh, there's a fair number of them stepped down in the last week or two. Right. Uh, and, and then in the constituencies that are Labour strongholds, but not so much conservative, yep. the Brexit party are going to... Well, that's, that's very, that's, that could be very, you know, green pasture because as we both know, Neil, uh, the Brexit vote was carried thanks to traditional Labour voters in the northeast of England, wasn't it? In the old mining communities and, you know, places like around Newcastle and stuff that would have uh, spat on Margaret Thatcher if she ever walked through town. 
uh, they voted for Brexit. So that'll be very interesting to put a couple of Brexit candidates up in those Labor stronghold seats up in the northeast there. And that's the plan. And it, it's a three-way thing, Boogie, because you've got, basically, you've got the uh, Conservatives and Brexit working together, and then the plan with Northern Ireland is the DUP. Yep. So if these three if these three parties can maintain uh, seats and gain seats in Parliament, they're three pro-Brexit parties, three, well, pro-Brexit under Boris, three pro-Brexit parties which will enable Parliament to be a smoother running for Boris in right. delivering uh, Brexit. Yep. Now, so far with Jeremy Corbyn, on his fancy little tour, he's been absolutely torn apart. By Labour, by a- Labour Party members? Uh, I would say a bit of a mixture, to be honest. There's, there's been a lot of heckling uh, when he turned up, for example. He turned up in Scotland yep. uh, and was getting heckled over his uh, terrorist connections and his connections to the IRA. Yep. Um, he's turned up in a few other cities um, across the UK and got heckled. Um, really? You know, his little tour is this, it's going downhill. Labour are not going to get anything out of this election. Interesting. And the, the icing on the cake is obviously the Brexit Party and Conservatives now joint up to strategically eradicate Labour yep. um, from the map, basically. So, uh, so that Brexit Labour might end up being just a party of London and a bit of, you know, Manchester, a bit of Liverpool and a bit of Birmingham at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and London, I mean, the only job where London is, it's an absolute realm of Labour now. Yeah. Um, but then you have the London mayor election next year, so I don't know if this is going to affect it so much because Londoners have had enough of Sadiq sure. uh, Khan. But um, overall, I think I think London will just stay Labour soon. There you go. Very interesting stuff. Well, thanks for filling us in, Neil. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for calling oh. in, brother. Uh, anything else before I let you go? Um, no, I think... That, oh, and also, do you know about the Canada Plus deal? The, re- the reason why the Brexit Party and Conservatives joined up was on condition from Nigel that the Boris would pursue a better deal. We've got the crappy deal that he had already yep. that he was pushing for, and now they're going for... Uh, Hard Brexit. Canada Plus Plus. Um, deal, which would mean free trade, uh, end of people movement, and would be the Brexit would be a Brexit. I think that people would accept. Oh, look, yeah, that's, the, that's the thing with the the thing with the Brexit movement. Yes, trade was a part of it. That was definitely a part of it. Yes, sovereignty is a part of it. But I think we're naive to say that anything other than uh, the Schengen Agreement and mass immigration is like that was the driving factor behind uh, Brexit. So there's a lot of I, su- I suspect there's a lot of Tories in in power that don't want to see an end of mass migration. Would that be a fair comment to say? You know, would that be a fair thing to uh, say? I would say so, but Boris has been left with a choice. If, it, if Absolutely. Boris wants Brexit, wants Brexit, he has to join up with Nigel. Yep. And for that to happen, he needs to agree with Nigel. And good. Nigel's told him with, and, and they've worked it out by the looks of it. Oh, good news. Well, we'll be, we'll be watching that closely over the next few weeks. Thanks thanks for joining in, Neil. I, I appreciate no you calling in, brother. Great to talk to you, mate. Have a good one, mate. Will do. Thank you so much. Um, there he goes, Neil. Uh, we've got a we've got another caller on. I'll I'll get to you in a sec, Kimmy. I just want to do one more story here. I do have one more story. Um, where do we go? Here we go. Thank you so much for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie. Uh, we'll get to our next caller, Kimbo, in just a second. But I did, I did want to share this with you before I run out of time. 
because this this has often been referred to as the sex robot podcast for some reason. Now I get a whole bunch of people sharing sex robot stories with me because I've done a couple of things about sex stories from time to time. And so, so I found this one particularly interesting because it's good. I, I want to let uh, the audience know that they are not, you know, the ladies in the audience are not alone. The ladies in the audience need to be made aware that the sex robot manufacturers are now looking out for their interests too. Male sex robots to replace men as women leave loveless relationships to fulfill desires. To fulfill desires. Now, call me crazy. Call me silly. But when it comes to women having their desires fulfilled... I was always of the impression that those desires were based in emotion, right? I want somebody who cares for me. I want somebody who loves me. I want somebody who thinks of me like shit like remembering birthdays and anniversaries is important to women. It's not important to men. Our desires are more, you know, based in the physical realm and not the emotional realm, right? So I wonder about the kind of woman who, if if those are, you know, the desires more prominent desires. I'm not saying they don't have physical desires, but I don't think they're as pronounced as men probably due to genetics. And, you know, it's, it's, it's drilled. It's in our genetic memory as men to spread our seed far and wide. And it's in the genetic memory of the female to nurture and care for that seed. Once it grows into a little baby and starts toddling around and potentially getting into trouble. So I think, you know, there's an inherent thing within us. Yeah, I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think that's pretty, pretty obvious. If you look, I mean, even if you take the Darwinist point of view of evolution, that's pretty much the going trend for every other living species on planet Earth. So it would make sense that we, you know, kind of in a similar vein. So we're talking about the desires being fulfilled for women. What kind of a woman finds the kind of, you know, reciprocation emotionally? in a sex robot <laughs> I mean you if 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 you're the husband in this situation if you're the man that's not fulfilling your wife's emotional desires and you can be replaced by a robot like let's see it's literally just a mechanical penis at this point it is literally just a thing to sit on and jiggle around it is a an inanimate object it is a dildo with a body attached it's like, I'm leaving my man because my desires are not being fulfilled. I want a big dildo with something that kind of looks like a human attached to it. Look at this. <laughs> it looks like you can't see this if you're listening to the podcast. We're looking at one of the male sex robots here. I It, it kind of looks like a gay Thunderbird with a really cartoonish body attached to it. It's, it doesn't look very appealing, if I'm being honest. Like when I, And I have no trouble. I'm one of these guys who has no trouble uh, pointing out an attractive man. I, I, when I was on this cruise, I said to my wife, you know, on like day three or something, I said, I have just seen the most beautiful man that I've ever seen in my entire life. And she starts laughing at me. And I'm like, no, 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 you wait. You, and she's like, well, who is he? And I'm like, well, I don't know where he is now. But if you see him, you'll know. I said, he's, he's literally the most attractive man that I've ever seen. He's perfect. And she was laughing. And then on the last night of the cruise, we get into a lift and he's in there. And I didn't say anything until he walked out. 
And I said to her, you know the guy I was talking about? And she looks at me and she goes, that was the guy. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, how did you know? And she was like, I couldn't even look him in the face because he was so perfect. I'm like, see, told you. And the problem was he was very nice as well. He was a very nice guy. He had his two kids there. He was friendly. He was playing with them. So not only was he perfect, he was also uh, very nice as well. So I hated him instantly, of course. (laughs) Taking that into consideration, I don't see the attractive quality here. Um, The haircut on this male sex doll kind of looks like a grandma, although it's brown and not gray. Like you could almost see her, uh, you could almost see this male sex robot with a pair of glasses with one of those chains around its neck. Look at this. Oh, look at this. It's like it's like they've turned Justin Bieber into a dildo. Finally. Finally. <laughs> it's wearing it's wearing a towel. Uh is this going to fulfill your desires, ladies and gentlemen? Is this kind of male sexual fantasy going to fulfill you? Uh it's definitely jiggling my chain. Oh, look at very suggestive pose here. It's wearing lipstick for some reason. <laughs> the, the, the comments in the chat are like, this is gross. What the hell is this? This is disgusting. <laughs> I thought you'd be happy. Up until this point, we've only been talking about the female sex robots. We've been talking about objective The socks, yes. You've got to have socks. Got to leave your socks on and pulled up to the knee like a Japanese schoolgirl. <laughs> The male sex robots. Uh, we do have a caller on the line. Kim, thanks for joining us. What do you think of the male sex robots? I, well, can you hear me? First of all. I can hear you. I can hear you. Okay, perfect. I'm, I'm driving, so I hope you won't get cut off. I cannot see the male sex robots because I'm not looking, but ah. I'm thinking I would disapprove. <laughs> not for somebody else. Everybody can do their thing, but I don't think that that's going to I think I'm going to pass. Hard pass. Hard pass, <laughs> but you haven't even seen it yet. It might be just the thing you need. Look at those plastic washboard yeah, abs, Kim. I'm thinking still, no, I don't even go for abs anyway, so no. No? You prefer guts? I'm going to have to come up with something else. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> disappointing. The dad bod. Well, I guess the male sex robot isn't for you. Um, I'm just putting some images up on the screen. Very it- appealing. Is it warm? It has to be warm and cuddly well, like an interesting, actual human being. Interestingly, you ask because I was reading another story earlier today about the sex robots and the okay. new models of sex robots have an internal heating system so they're not cold okay, to touch. Sign me up. Sign me up. Somebody's got to keep my feet warm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know how willing they'll be to, um, you know, give you a foot rub late at night, to be fair, to the sex. It's not really what they're made for. It's not really what they're made for. We can get you a foot massager. It's not the massage that I want. It's the warmth. The warmth. Uh, How about a hot water bottle with a dildo strapped to it? That'll be even better. Okay. Um, (laughs) It's a cheaper option. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely a cheaper option. Uh, how are you doing? How can we help you? It's like a makeshift, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a definitely. I'm definitely the MacGyver of the sex industry. 
what have we, what have what have we got here? Uh, we've got a piece of petrified wood and a hot water bottle. No worries, I'll make a sex robot. <laughs> petrified wood. What else are you going to use for a, di- a, a penis? Really, let's be honest here. I mean, that's like a rock. Well, shouldn't it be? Isn't that the attractive part? It can't be like a piece of kielbasa, you know. Uh, somewhere in between. Somewhere, somewhere in between. In between. It, it needs to be supple to the touch, yet rigid enough to withstand its own weight. And warm. Okay. All right. Now we're on to something. <laughs> so, what can what can I do for you? <laughs> Thanks for calling in. <laughs> Well, this is actually why I called. I was just oh, trying good. to place an order. So, <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I'll get in touch with the sex robot people and let them know. <laughs> okay. Heading out but to Mississippi. Brad to, uh, yes. Are you going to get Brad, Brad to, uh, uh, what's it called? The AI Program dildo stall from Unity Day. I might have to bring this up on the block because we did the AI dildo. I think it's- yes. This is the next step, isn't it? It's the next progression. It is. Mm. It is, and progressive is the way to go, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, okay, so I have two things, and none of them are about the topics that you discussed tonight. I can talk about those if you want me to. Go for it. But the first thing I want to say is welcome back on behalf of or on behalf of everybody that's ever heard of you. Oh, thank you. I'm going to represent all of us. We're glad you're back. Glad you had a good time, and glad your house did not catch on fire. Why would it catch on fire? And... Because Australia was on fire while you were talking uh, well, about that. Funny you say that. Just last night when I was at work, I was it, the whole city um, smelt like a fireplace last night. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. So, happens. so glad about that. I'm sorry you're getting sick. So don't do that anymore. Uh, I'll try. And yes. Okay. So here's the thing. And I know what you're going to say, or I know what you're going to want to say, but I hope you're going to say the opposite of what you're going to say, okay? Okay. <laughs> this is this is we very this is very confusing already. I haven't even heard the question yet. That's my job. Okay. That's my job. That's my gig. Right. Um, okay, so we have a dear friend whose birthday is today. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Can you guess where I'm going with this? I can, sort of. But no, I don't, actually. I forget what you want me to say. Okay. Well, the last time I made this request, you told me that you would not do it because I made the request. Oh, I'm, I'm not singing it. My... I'm not singing oh, it. come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on. <laughs> we can sing it together. Well, I can go. Did you I... up on me? No, I can go one better. How about I do this instead? Uh, I'll throw this one up. We did this once before okay, for well, Stefan. Uh, so can we say it's no, Sandra's you birthday? Can't you yes, can't I'm, I'm recycling. Birthdays. It's my show. I'm I'm recycling no. because it's the best happy birthday ever. So I want to give a big um, Northwestern American style happy birthday to our friend Sandra out there. A very progressive well, style happy birthday. Uh, l- a recycled Northwestern American, blah blah, whatever you said. <laughs> well, no, this is don't be, don't be, don't be culturally uh, bigoted, Kim. Uh, let's accept our new overlords. <laughs> this is a happy birthday song going out to the lovely Sandra. Happy birthday, Sandra. Love you, Sandra. 
Happy birthday, Sandra. No. No? No. <laughs> it's lovely, don't you think? People are saying, what the Happy fuck is this? Happy yeah, it's the people. Uh-huh. Happy birthday to you. It's the people demanding uh-huh. you. Happy birthday to Sandra. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> don't forget the piano solo. Unbelievable stuff. There you go. Happy birthday, Sandra. That's exactly what you wanted, Happy isn't birthday, it, Kim? Happy birthday, Sandra. <laughs> you know what? Here's what I think. Here's what I think is that there's definitely a God because it kept cutting out. I have no idea what you just played. Oh, you'll have to check the replay, as will everybody else who missed it, it. Every once in a while, I would hear a little piece, and I'm like, ew, what is this? And it, wasn't, it wasn't what I asked It's for. an It's an Urdu Hindi uh, happy birthday. Oh, Hindi's good. Yeah. Oh, we okay. like the we like the Indians. We like the Sikhs. I do. I do very much actually. And so I hear you can't go to a Seven Eleven without hearing from one. Uh, is that right? Well, that's a very racist thing to According say. According to Joe Biden. Oh, I mean, just Joe Biden is his idea. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I don't know what attracts uh, people from India to the world of convenience store clerking, but there must be something in it that I don't see. There must be some kind well, of appeal. I don't know either. Yeah. But my understanding is they get a. Um, I could be wrong about this. It's just what I was told a long time ago. That they get like a, a grant of sorts. Oh to, yes. Um, open yeah. them up. Seven uh, Eleven here a couple of years ago got in big legal trouble because they were hiring a whole bunch of Indians and not paying them the full minimum wage. Motherfuckers! Why weren't they? Because they want to get cheap labour. And they know that these um, upstarty, big-mouthed uh, white fellas will probably say, hey, what the fuck are you doing? You're not paying me the full wage. Whereas if you're out here on a temporary visa and you're looking for a permanent visa, uh, it's easy to lean on you because, hey, you don't want to cause any trouble, do you? You want your visa, don't you, right? So they were exploiting these guys. And um, I've, I've worked with they Indians and for Indians. Uh, I don't think they do, no. But they, historically, they're not the kind of people that appreciate being leaned on necessarily. So. No, no, and and they know how to use swords. I think it's in they their do. DNA. They just grab one they in do. your dad. Well, part of part of the Sikh deliver. part of the Sikh cultural attire is a knife strapped to your belt. Yeah. 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 So let's let's chip that guy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, what was the other thing that you wanted to talk about? Oh, well, it was just a quick thought that I had about Nancy Pelosi. We don't have to Go talk for about it. it, really, but just... Go for it. When you were given the different thoughts and things about her being so savvy, but whatever. No, um, no, no, I didn't she, say I didn't say savvy. I didn't say savvy, did I? If I said savvy, I mean, I mean, I mean purely in political terms, like cunning, manipulative, yeah, 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 no. savvy political operator, yes, but that doesn't yes. necessarily mean yeah. that she's intelligent. Right, right, right. No, I wasn't thinking. Yeah. Okay, cool. She's intelligent enough to get to where she is. Exactly. Um, 
But here's the thing, regardless of how smart she is or how not smart or how corrupt or whatever she is, in my opinion, a basic thing for human beings, particularly women, is if there's something that they want to be true and someone tells them that thing is true, they're more likely to believe it. Oh, yes. Than something, you know, so it could very well be that he did lie to her. And even though she is savvy or cunning or whatever, she did believe it just because she heard what she wanted to hear. And so it's obviously it's true because this is what she wants. Could be, could be. And just like that, uh, Kimmy, Kimmy sailed her uh, female brethren right down the river and exposed the great truth that all of us men have known all along. And that is uh, women, uh, o- women only hear what they want to hear. So thank you for that, Kim. I appreciate that revelation um, yeah. here on the Daily Boogie. Well, there's some truth to that. And if we don't hear what we want to hear, sometimes we'll just pretend that we did. We'll just make it up. That's another one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're all... I've also sold, sold my female brethren or sister in sisterhood down the road a year or so ago um, talking to you back then. Oh, yeah. On a periscope I was doing. Really? Um, I, yeah, I said sometimes sex cures headaches, and it's not necessarily a good excuse to not have it. <laughs> ah, they oh, you're going to be hated by the end of this. One? I don't, but I it know. sounds like something you'd say. You should remember that. Yes, it does. Why? Why should I remember that? <laughs> because because you're a guy, and then there went an excuse that you didn't have to put up with anymore. Ah, oh, see, that's see, I just I stuff. <laughs> I don't remember that because when it comes to sex, I just stuff gags in their mouth or drug them. So. I don't really have to put up with the talk back, you know, the chatter. So. Well, there is that. There's Obviously. that method too, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they might say no, but you I know they really lonely. mean yes, you see. So. <laughs> All right, Kim. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for calling in. One of us in. is about to get in trouble. And oh, it's yeah. It's going to be me. So. <laughs> It'll probably be you after that. Who knows? Right. I don't know the rules anymore. But thanks. Okay. Well, well thanks. welcome back and happy birthday, Sandra. Yes, happy birthday, Sandra. And thanks for calling in, Kimbo. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks. All right, thanks for not ignoring my call, too, man. There, there you go. What? <laughs> <laughs> you only hear what you want to hear anyway, right. though. So. You wouldn't be the first person. <laughs> <laughs> well done. All right. Get All out right, of here. Bye. See ya. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there she goes. The great Kimmy Y censored. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think we might wrap it up on that note. It's good to be back. Uh, I didn't get to many of the items I had today, which is good because I don't, I'm not sure necessarily how many of them were any good at all to begin with, but thank you so much for joining us on this first show back. It's been an absolute pleasure. I will be back tomorrow, 6 PM Eastern. We'll get into a more of a usual boogie bumper styling kind of program. So I appreciate your patience. Thank you for all the kind words, by the way, as well. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, <clears throat> if you would like to send me a male sex robot, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to follow our friends at YCensored underscore at real person PLTCS at UK Neil. Thank you so much for calling in all you guys. I really appreciate you filling me in to what's going on over the last couple of weeks thank you to everyone in the chat uh thank you to the patreons and we'll be back tomorrow night at 6 p.m until then ladies and gentlemen stay calm stay rational god bless and we'll see you soon bye bye